Hello, this is a wonderful special uh, episode all about Attitude magazine. Our chat with Cliff Ioannou and Darren Stiles, editor and owner of Attitude magazine, respectively. This is part two, though. Plot twist. If you haven't heard part one, go and listen to that first. Chronological is my mantra. If you have, I'll step out the way. I'll open the door and usher you gently inside to some brilliant stories, including things like David Beckham. Cliff's hanging from a chandelier. What was your childhood like? It was broadly happy, actually. I went to a comprehensive school yeah. on, on a council estate where I grew up. Mum and Dad ended up, as I say, buying the, the local shop. And I always knew I wanted to write. I was the little bookish kid with glasses mm. and bad hair, sitting in the corner, reading, 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 and, and then writing. And I knew, I absolutely was convinced that's what I wanted to do. And so the careers teacher sat me down and told me absolutely that I should go and get a job in a bank because right. it was very hard to be a journalist, very hard <laughs> to be a writer. Everyone wants to do that. And it's interesting what you were saying about writing to someone and saying, can I come and do that, please? And I did that to a local publisher of car magazines, did exactly that. But he gave me my, my first break and then ultimately ended up launching my own and, and, and going on from there. But yeah, I was car mad. I was football mad uh-huh. um, and, and read a lot of books. And do you find almost now to be car mad, not now because you've been out a while, but like to be car mad and football mad, you feel a little lonely it surprises people. There, there are gay motoring journalists, not many of them. Some of them have written for me, some I see on press launches and things and talk to now. Obviously, I think officially there are no gay Premier League footballers, mm. as we know. Just one or two in the, the, the lower leagues uh, starting to creep out. And that's annoying, I have to say, as, yeah. a, as a sports fan. I was taken to my first game in 1973 um, when I was eight years old by my dad and my granddad, who are both gone now. And my God, in that world, some representation for young me would have made all the difference. I, mm. I played football on a Sunday. I ran a Sunday football side for 20, 20 years. There's a sitcom there, gay, gay man <laughs> running a Sunday league <laughs> fo- football team with all, all that goes with that. Um, and But there was just nothing apart from Justin Fashion, and of course that ended yeah. horrifically for, for him and clearly that frightened everybody away mm. for a number of years. And so re- I, I'm such a believer now in representation everywhere you can find it that's why we champion gay ceos that's why we champion swimmers and dancers and footballers and actors and Mm. community heroes and all all of that you can't be what you can't see and it has such a profound effect on people and our readers tell us that the, the messages we get on social media or on email or sometimes just written to us it's still quite exciting getting getting a, a letter nowadays, a handwritten oh. letter. Cliff gets a few from prisons. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about my ex-boyfriend. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we featured back in January a brilliant young swimmer from Wales called Dan Jervis, who mm-hmm. is hoping to be at the Olympics next year. He, he's on Team GB. He's just been to Japan for the World Championships. And he came out. He's deeply religious. And so, like Cliff, obviously, has, has struggled with elements of it. But he came out because he listened to Susie Ruffles brilliant podcast oh wow um and so we had the opportunity to introduce him to her at an event in in february and he was rendered speechless in the moment bless him because he was saying i i was able to be me because of you so she had a little cry he had a little cry but we hear that story a dozen times a week just through stories we've shared things we've told that then have that effect on on people because there's various like zander murray the footballer who is out but also 
Jake Daniels at Blackpool. Yes. Yep. <laughs> but then there's another Jake who I follow. He's a football coach or something. Jake Williamson. Jake Williamson. Yeah, yep. So Jake Williamson, he's a football coach, am I right? Especially he's something to do with football. Anyway, yes. sorry, Jake, if you're listening. Anyway, I love watching his content because he does lots of Q&As on Instagram with people talking about wanting to come out and wanting to be out in football. And, and you just read it and listen to these videos and you're like, fuck, the things that could be different if there yeah. were those public figures who oh, yeah. are representing. And I hope it will come. And I think, I know Tom it Daly... change it. Like I remember <clears throat> when I joined the magazine. So it's, you know, eight years. When did you buy it? 2016 you bought the yeah, magazine. Yeah, 2016. So 2015 I joined the magazine working under Matthew Todd. And mm. I remember at the time we struggled to get gay men on the cover and i think i was you know gay men on the cover yeah wow there weren't any it's right. really easy now <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. yeah there yeah. weren't any out gay men and it's really easy now to think how that's how that wasn't that possible. long ago no, like no. it was it's seven eight years ago yeah. and i remember joining the magazine and matthew and i had this conversation and i remember how happy i was when ollie alexander came out and it was that first year i joined the magazine and i managed to get him on the cover mm. and it was almost like a tipping point but i just remember there being this tipping point where slowly this younger generation mm. of people who were never in the closet yeah. they just lived their life on social media and they were open from the start were declaring their status as openly gay men or queer men or bi or whatever mm. however they identified so there was no keeping them in in order for them to be closeted and they were becoming famous mm. so you just had all these younger stars coming out and then the older ones started to come out mm. but i don't want to get into naming names but people who'd been around for like 10 15 years well, i can I, I can give you some, i can well i can give you two two names because I, I know both of them they won't mind me telling the story tom daly hosted the yes. attitude awards mm. one year and he was brilliant incredibly capable super confident and we were going through the script at Soundcheck and he was looking at who was coming up and who was presenting. And one of the later presenters was Mark Foster. Mm. And so when he was doing Soundcheck and rehearsing, he made a reference. He said something along the lines of, and up to present the next award is a friend of mine, Mark Foster. You don't have to be gay to be in the Olympic pool, but it clearly helps. At which point I went, stop, no, Mark's not out. And Tom went, what? And we went, yeah, he's, he's, he's not out. Are you sure? Because obviously in Tom's world, everybody knew, everybody talked about it. Mark in Tom's world, in their world, was also out and perfectly comfortable with it, but had never actually said anything on the record. So we had to back up and edit it um, and say to him, please don't make any reference to that. Mark came, presented the award. I ended up chatting behind uh, the stage with him. I think it was the year that Prince Harry was there and Kylie was there. And it was all very starry. And then a couple of weeks later, Mark rang and went, this is ridiculous. I can't stand in a room, watch all of that go on, be moved by it mm. and still hide. This is insane. Can I tell my story? Can I come out with you guys? And so that's what we did. And that's what he did. And Mark actually is also a footballing gay, although he's a Spurs fan. It's not so good. And we text and banter over that. And Mark's lovely and Mark's never been happier. But yeah, an absolute example of somebody young seeing nothing in it, coming out, having had their moment mm. and assuming it's the same for everybody else. But actually, it has been a lot of young people who've led the way and made older generations feel it's safe to come. I think that's that so third chapter of Attitude mm. that you talk about is for too long, there was eight out of 10 covers were 
straight men yeah yeah who were just appealing to the you know the gay audience and then this suddenly like this change in culture mm. where people were coming out and it's and now we're sport for choice like and yeah. now we're like we're fighting them off with the stick yeah it's it's impossible <laughs> to so make we're doing five covers on one issue yeah, yeah. <laughs> get them somehow all just get through the number like when you, so when you got the call saying would you like to take over this magazine and you'd previously been doing car magazines and in-flight magazines what makes you want to dive into the sort of um, I, I'd, I'd worked with Attitude to help them launch the awards oh, yeah, in, in 2012. So I looked at Attitude and went to Attitude and said, look, there's an opportunity here. And as, as a magazine person, I could see the gaps. You can see, well, okay, well, think things have moved. As I say, they, they'd been through the smooth-chested young male period. Things were starting to get much more interesting politically. The equal marriage thing, which seems like a long time ago, but really isn't. It's, well, it's not long gone 10 years. So that was all happening um, and I thought there's an opportunity to to move that magazine from where it is into a much more interesting space and have much more adult conversations. Um, still be celebratory, still be cheeky, still be naughty, mm-hmm. um, but just grow up a bit, really. And so the first thing I did, to the absolute terror of the ad sales team, was we were generating at that point £17,000 a month Mm-hmm. from ads in the back of the magazine for telephone chat lines right. and I said they gotta go it's I, I understand it's a part of daily life I understand it's who we are this, this is pre-grinder I think but if we want to attract the advertisers that we want and we want to have the magazine we deserve then we've got to create the environment that all of that flourish in and those conversations can take place so we added more pages we printed it on nicer paper mm. we upscaled things we changed the ad profile around and build and they will come doesn't quite work mm-hmm. because there's you've just got to get out and graft and right. talk to ad agencies and clients and find your tribe we have a brilliant long-standing relationship or two brilliant long-standing relationships with Virgin Atlantic and Jaguar around the Attitude Awards. And both of those started from gay men within those organisations who understood our brand and saw the value it could add. But but that's how it started. And so we had to get out, find our tribe, have those conversations and turn the ship as quickly as we were able. But it took a, it took a long time for people to think that Attitude wasn't a top shelf magazine with you know, bare asses and all the rest of it. Mm. We still do a bit of that, to be fair. But <laughs> we call it art now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when you wanted to start working there, it was just slightly prior. So it felt like it needed a bit of a revamp. Did you want to be part of that? Or do you think it was the best version you could get of working in queer media, let's say? Well, for me, I would, prior to me being an attitude, I was at a magazine called QX. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was Time Out to the gay scene. That's how I would describe it to people that don't yes. know what QX was. I'd been there 13 years. I think I was well, in mid thirties and I was just a bit tired of throwing my carcass <laughs> around nightclubs. <laughs> and I remember, yeah, I, I screwed up my first interview with them because I was so nervous. Uh, um, and I sent an email and I said, I'm really, I, I apologize. I don't think I was my best self in that moment. And they asked me back. And I'd worked with Matthew for a year before he left on a massive high, having landed Prince William on the cover, Mm. um, which was a huge cultural moment for the magazine and for (laughs) you know for the UK for everybody Mm. for in in terms of 
having him speak out against homophobic bullying was a massive moment. And when Matthew left, I stepped in as acting editor, which is when Darren came along to buy the magazine. Mm. We wanted to drive the magazine into growing up a little bit more. Mm. We, we, it was time for it to just be a little bit more re- aware of itself and mm-hmm. aware that it had a voice. 
what's the issue? Mm. So Matthew Todd, he was the editor and has now gone on to many successes, but one of which is become a real climate change activist. And it's really interesting because I've watched, Matthew is one of the first ever guests on this podcast. I I think he was talking about it then, like I can't quite remember. Yeah, he was, no. Yeah. No, he's been talking 15, 20 years, Matthew. It's, wow. Yeah, it's, it's come back to meet him. But it has really started to come true. And how do you, when you think of things like climate change and stuff, like how do you metabolize that within the magazine? With a print magazine, we print on FSC papers, which means they come from sustainable sources in Europe. We print with vegetable inks and we mail in biodegradable polythene. Mm-hmm. We tried paper, but a lot of people who subscribe to Attitude obviously want it sent privately. And if that gets wet or torn, that can create a little bit of an issue. So we changed back to a biodegradable poly. So we do all of the good stuff like that for our for ourselves. Cliff and I both drive electric cars, hmm. for the record. So we do all of that, but we're able to use our platform to have people of all types from all mm. sorts of industries tell their stories. But yeah, Matthew was right. Matthew really was right mm. all along. And thinking ahead to the next chapter, the Attitude Foundation, am I correct? What you were saying earlier about the football, when you were growing up, there was no representation mm. in... A unique way with the foundation we've actually been able to make a difference there through actually through football yeah. which was yeah a strange starting place when i came back and bought the magazine the first thing that really excited me being the first gay owner was right we've got someone now from the community of the community and i'd had in the back of my mind because we'd worked over a number of years with the elton john aids foundation mm. elton and david have raised i think more than 100 million dollars now over 25 years but I, I had the privilege of being able to see behind the curtain and elton often says we're one of the few charities that doesn't do anything we raise a whole lot of money we don't do anything what we do is give our money to people who are best placed to do amazing things so we'd never go and build a hospital but if a hospital needed funding and needed help and had doctors and had people there who could run the hospital and do it we will help them the, the way they use their power and elton and, and david's name to do great stuff was something i had in the back of my head i thought if i can copy that blatantly one day but pretend it's my idea mm. so i said wouldn't it be great if we had an astute magazine foundation that did the same thing not just in the the, the field of uh, of aids and hiv but but actually across the the spectrum within our within our community and mm. paddy power the bookmaker oh, yeah. came, came to us um for the russian world cup and said we've had a brilliant idea and we're actually struggling to find a, a charity that will that will work with us on this because we've got this idea and it's a little bit racy but but, but russia shouldn't have the world cup from an lgbtq perspective so how about we make the russian football team allies Every time they score a goal at the World Cup, we will donate £10,000. Uh, no, it was 10 at first. So £10,000 to, to uh, a charity. But it felt a bit like gambling. It felt a bit like lottery. Also, it was giving the Russians a real poke in the ribs. And a number of charities weren't that keen on that. Although Peter Tatchell stood there going, yes, do it, do it, do yeah. it. And so I said, right, look, we, we wanted to create our charity. We'll do it now. We'll, become a re- we'll, we'll create a registered charity. Um, and we'll take your money and we'll promote this and we'll go crazy with it. 
by the end of the World Cup that they Russia were expected to score four times, according to the supercomputer, and go out of the first stage. But the home team always does a bit better than everyone anticipates. And so they got through to the second stage, and Paddy Power went, well, we'll double it. We'll do £20,000 a goal now. Anyway, long story short, we ended up with £170,000. I think they scored five goals in their first game. They scored five goals in their first game. and then I remember that. We were in the office at the time. We couldn't believe what was going on. We had it on TV. It's any time we watch football. Honestly, it was ridiculous. And at one point, they even scored an own goal. And so I texted the man from Paddy Power and went, that that counts, right? And he went, yeah, we'll pay out on that. So we ended up with 170k. um, And that meant we could start immediately to do some incredible things. And so we've worked with the food chain, this amazing charity in London. We went in with a small charity on the Isle of Sheppey called Curly's Farm and Curly's Legacy and and bought half a caravan with them. So now 40 families a year who have kids with life-limiting conditions get a week's holiday, an opportunity to make memories. Now we have a dowry at Hull University every year. So six students each get £1,000 dowry. We've funded a football referee. We funded a football manager, Luke Tufts, most senior manager in in football, who's going for his UEFA coaching licence to enable him to get professional qualifications and if people want to donate can they do that is they absolutely can check down the back of your sofas people when joe lysett wanted to did he want to burn or shred the attitude cover he shred david beckham he shred the david beckham and he did that with our blessing joe lysett basically said to david beckham unless you withdraw i will shred ten thousand pounds in this shredder with a countdown clock but then it was all a big clever stunt the video that you saw of him shredding the money was not was the not, money it no, was a trick no no but was it actually the cover or was that a slightly separate thing no they did uh, shred the cover they did shred the cover but we um, they shred it with our permission because we yes. wanted to make sure that they weren't using that cover to glorify him and to put us in the light as if we were glorifying him because obviously it's yeah. historical yeah. <laughs> it's something it's from 20 years time ago. And yes. so we had to make sure the narrative was correct and their hearts was in, their heart was in the right place so we were happy with for it to happen well at the football it yeah. all, all goes to me yep. me as a football Ahead fan football, you see, I, I was <laughs> quite exercised by it all i'm a massive football fan and want to see representation want to see kindness so what do we do about that well firstly we don't give the world cup to russia and mm-hmm. then we don't give the world cup to qatar but mm-hmm. actually both of those things happened and then david beckham signed up to become an ambassador for qatar Mm. as a country not just for the world cup but primarily focused on that but their hope being that over time they would be able to change people's view uh, of the qataris and the qatari way of life i think the figures that were being kicked around were something like 150 million pounds over 10 years given that he was one of only three footballers to have appeared on the cover of Attitude and had been actually an incredible ally. Mm. So at the time when he was dyeing his hair and shaving his head into a Mohican um, and being the world's number one metrosexual man, he was very outspoken in terms of supporting LGBTQ rights. He's he's married to a Spice Girl. That has Mm. to be the gayest thing you can do uh, other than sleep with a man. He he was an icon to us. And to me, as a gay football fan, there was some somebody uh, you could follow and yet there he was signing up to be the front man for a regime that takes lgbtq people from the streets sometimes they're beaten on the streets sometimes they're beaten in private but that's absolutely what happens and the law there goes all the way to the death 
penalty. Mm. And so we figured that he couldn't have it both ways. Mm. Uh, you either are an ally or you're not an ally. Mm. And if your allyship uh, to, a, to another country can be bought, then you're no longer an ally of ours. And mm. then as Cliff said, the idea came in. First of all, they wanted to show the cover. And then it, it manifested that ultimately they wanted to shred it. And were we okay with that? And we said, well, yeah, we're actually all on the same page. Even if it's now cut into a thousand small pieces, we're all on the same page. Same We've asked him page. for a comment. We've asked him to speak to us, but he hasn't and he wow. won't because you can't, can you, from there? There's not There's a lot know, you can say. Not really. Well, that's the end of our chat, which I'm sad because it ended. Because I'm sad that it ended because I really think those two are amazing. Inspirational. And the things those two have done for queer culture, incredible. Um, thank you for taking the time to chat. Also, it means my Skype is over. So I've got to get back to work, which is hmm, interesting. Interesting quandary to have. But you know what? This has been a delightful break chatting to you guys. Can you hear a motorbike going past? Quite loud. Okay. Get in touch. Tell us what you thought of that episode. Tell us your Attitude magazine stories. When did you first buy it? Did you first buy it? Tell us, was it a secret for you like it was for me? Were you terrified? Or did you feel that it was something you could be loud and proud with? I suspect your age may define your answer here. At Homo Sapiens on Instagram. Hello at Homo Sapiens Podcast on the emails. Facebook at Homo Sapiens Podcast. Email your comments, your questions, your agony uncles to us. Get in touch. And next week, it's fashion. It's London Fashion Week. It's the eve of London Fashion Week. So we are talking to the incredible fashion designer Erdem. Erdem who dresses Adele. Erdem who dresses Kira Knightley. Erdem who dresses Glenn Close. He took her to the Met Ball. Erdem who dresses Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton. She's not called Kate Middleton. She's called Princess Catherine, I think. So you know what? He's no slouch. But that aside, aside from his being a scion of creativity and fashion, like best mates with Anna Wintour, um, he's a really funny, interesting man who has an incredible story about how he came to be one of the leading lights in fashion. I adore him. So that is a fantastic chat and that it will be available on your feeds in a part one and two format as per normal from next week. Until then, happy skiving, any of you who are managing to skive off and um, enjoy the sun. Thanks so much. Lots of love. Spirit Studios.